Hi, and welcome to a very special episode of Crashed in Roswell. My name is Kyle Bullock. I am your host. I am the creator of Crashed in Roswell. And today we are going to be doing an episode all about you, the listeners, getting your questions answered about season one of Crashed in Roswell. Uh, We left a lot of questions out there for people. Uh, We didn't necessarily tie everything up in a nice neat bow. And uh, I realized that some people might be frustrated by that. So I want to do my very best to answer any of your questions. We've gotten a bunch of your questions and feedback from various sources. And uh, I'm going to be answering them as honestly as I can for you today. Now, to keep me honest, I have invited a, uh, a person who will know if I'm lying or at least know my tell, someone who knows me better than most, my very best friend, you heard him in episode eight, Scott Hall. Scott, what's up? Hey, man. How's it going? Glad to be here. Glad you're here. And once again, since you are a pastor, you're a man of God, uh, it is you and me and Jesus in the room, and he'll know if I'm lying, right? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no pressure. That's how it works, right? <laughs> There's good, there's good news if we you know slip a line there or not, uh, but you know, that's not what this is about. <laughs> okay, good. All right, Scotty. So uh, listeners have sent in their questions. Now uh, I know we've gotten some general questions, we've gotten some specific questions. So I'm going to turn it over to you, and I'm going to answer as candidly and honest as I possibly can. So Scott, what are we going to start with? Yeah. So obviously, the the biggest pressing question i think that everybody's wanting to know about this show it's one i've i've gotten myself from friends who have heard it um is it real is this a true story or not is it really about a man from roswell um and it's in connection with the crash that supposedly happened or it's this made-up fiction that i can't say for certain Which is not going to make anybody uh, happy because that's that's what everybody wants. But here's why. Here's why I I purposefully wanted this to be a bit of a a mystery to the listener. Um, Because the story, this podcast, when when it got to a certain point, it became about examining truth. um, How we see the world, how we see other people. Uh, like, Like I said in the last episode, if I told you all of the truths or all of the the twists or turns would you really first of all would you really believe me uh and would it really be a satisfying conclusion to a journey i i don't think so um but i will say this because i don't want to you know give you a non-answer i will say that in episode i think it was in episode six that i draw a comparison to the story of the boy who cried wolf uh, I don't know if you remember that, but it, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So I will say this: that that comparison, that analogy, is really, really essential to understanding the show, and uh, why we edited it the way that we did. Um, did the story of the boy who cried wolf? Did that did that story actually happen? The way that we tell the story, it, maybe it I mean, kind of, sort of happened, maybe. In history, a, a kid was, you know, crying wolf and, and was lying and paid the price. Maybe that happened. But did it happen the way that you tell it to your son today? It's almost certainly not, right? Because it passes through the filter of your biases. And um, and if you think on that analogy as you look back on this show, 
it's going to tell you everything that you need to know about facts and fiction. Remember, because I even came out and said this, I think in the last episode, I am a super biased opinion. I'm a super biased person, even more so, I think, than John, because I am, I've made money with this podcast uh, through advertisers. I've sold merchandise. I want listeners to keep listening to the show and keep coming back for more. So my job is inherently biased the way that I tell the story. My narration is probably the last thing that you should trust. But if you think of the story like I am telling you the story of the boy who cried wolf, you have to decide, okay, number one, did the story happen this way, the way that I am telling it, or have I changed elements of a story for effect? And if so, how much did I change it? And then number two, you gotta ask, if, if John is the boy who cried wolf, Okay, was there really a wolf in the field or was he telling stories, right? So if you go back and you listen to the show yeah. with that perspective, uh, I promise you that you'll find the clues that you're looking for in each episode that's going to paint either a different perspective than the one you got on your first go around or you, you may end up with the same conclusion about John and the story and me. Who knows? But I think that's essential to understanding the story. So short answer is no, I'm not going to tell you, but I, I hope that I hope that helps. Yeah, that's that's going to make people angry, but you know, that's all right. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was kind of hoping to, to hear it myself. I've, I've read those comments, okay. y'all. Well, I mean, so, so Kyle, obviously with this series in general, it's centered around something. Uh, these stories didn't just happen one day. There, there was some type of event that shook the town of Roswell. And so just in your opinion, what do you think happened back in 1947? Uh, I, yeah, I get this. I get this one a lot, even before the podcast, just because I'm from Roswell. I'm sure you, you've gotten it too. Cause you're from Roswell Absolutely. growing up in Roswell. Um, and for those who haven't, uh, haven't listened to the episode, episode eight, first of all, you're going to hear a whole bunch of spoilers here. So beware. And also, uh, Scott and I grew up here in Roswell. Scott no longer lives here. Um, but, uh, we grew up here for, for, he grew up here most of his life and I've, I still live here. So I still get this question. What do I think happened in 1947? I say something crashed. The details were murky. The government covered it up. I, and I joke about that in the show, but it's pretty much how I feel. And I think how a lot of people feel. Um, I don't know. What do you, uh, what do you, how do you respond when you, people ask you that? It's, it's kind of hard, especially being being a pastor, so then people will get into the theological aspect of it. Well, it, it, this is true. It really is aliens, and what does that mean about your Bible? What is it? You know, and so that it gets complicated, and so I usually stick to pretty much a similar answer in saying that something happened. Something crashed. Um, it shook the town, and there was cover-up, and so whether that's green men or whether it was a weather balloon or i've heard crazy conspiracies about um hitler's i don't know experiments or something like that you know uh, those are always awesome to hear but something happened i don't know exactly what yeah i, I agree with you i think i think something happened i i've gotten to learn more about like the facts of the story through doing this podcast that i didn't know before um I, I tend personally to lean more towards uh, like a spying device um, that that it was yeah. like a Russian or Amer even American spying device that nobody wanted us to know about. I, I think it was plausible. Yeah, it could be extraterrestrial, but I think there there's a lot of charting of like the, these sightings happening near 
atomic test sites, which is why it's a theory why it crashed here in Roswell, being one of the very first atomic test areas. I yeah. I think spying seems like the simplest solution to understand, but also, uh, who knows? Uh, and even if we heard the truth, I don't know that we would, like, believe it <laughs> if we heard it. Well, yeah, right. I mean, in New Mexico in general, in southeastern and on New Mexico, there's space. Um, and the military was, they had their presence there. And so it would make sense if it was our own military or something else testing um, weather balloons or spy devices. But I, I definitely could get behind that. Yeah. So let, let me ask you this question then. Um, obviously, there's tons of stories surrounding the Roswell incident. And uh, we're hoping that this is just the start of it. So where do you plan to go from here? with the series that's a good that's a good question um we do have plans in the making for uh creating a season two but nothing that i can share with you at this time as far as the details because there's okay. some things still in limbo i i would love to explore how far we can get from uh at prying the truth from the government you know kind of exploring that and then how we can apply this idea of perspective and empathy that we explored in the first season to people who've researched this subject a lot more than I have, because uh, there's a lot of people out there who have done some some really deep dives into this, and uh, yeah, I'd be interested to see see how some of that stuff lines up. We will see. Uh, the main thing is just we got a there's a lot of things still in limbo, so hopefully, fingers crossed, we will we will have a season two. In the near future. Okay. So would there ever be a possibility, you know, like for, for instance, me and my wife just watched um, an episode of Unexplained Mysteries that's found on Netflix right now. And uh, there's a UFO type conspiracy story on there. Um, would y'all ever explore outside of Roswell um, stories outside of that realm and see how they maybe even connect to the Roswell incident? Yeah, I, I'm interested, you know, I, 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 uh, I, what I'm interested in when it comes to this subject isn't necessarily UFOs as much as it is the people that are behind yeah. it. I think, um, I think there's a lot to be learned from listening to people who we don't understand. And this is a subject that most people either don't understand the, the sincerity behind these researchers doing this work, or they think it's crazy. Um, sure. there's very, and then the, and there's people who, who go kind of like overboard with their love for it. But right. I, I think there's an analogy to be drawn in how we, um, how we look at people who, who do things that we don't necessarily understand and how we approach them. I think that stuff's important. So I would love to talk to some of those people who have done those shows and stuff and research because I'm interested to see how. You know, they, they don't, it's not an easy go. It's not like you're a cancer researcher and everybody's like, woohoo, thanks for researching cancer. They're always mm -hmm. like, why are you researching aliens? That's dumb. Yeah. <laughs> there's yeah, some, yeah. I don't know. There's something, there's something interesting to me in that. Well, good. Well, Kyle, I, I wanted to ask some fun questions um, because obviously I grew up in Roswell, you grew up in Roswell, and I wanted to engage that a little bit. There's there's always questions uh, surrounding like what it was actually like, um, you know, false false uh, stipulations kind of put on what it what people think it's like to live in Roswell. Um, so just you know, let's let's start exploring, I guess, in that realm. Um, 
have you ever seen sincerely but have you ever seen any aliens or <laughs> unexplainable haunted spooky things events there in Russell no nothing no one time uh, in high school uh, this uh, for lack of a better word, a, a hillbilly chased me and a friend off of her property when we were checking out the crematorium outside of oh town. Oh my gosh, yeah. I remember that story. Yeah, 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 yeah. shotgun and all. Because <laughs> um, there's, if a... I remember correctly, the the language by this individual was not very proper in any case no, at I, all. No, I won't re I won't repeat it here. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. <laughs> for for those young listeners, because uh, but that for that there's a crematorium like it was an old abandoned crematorium uh, out there, and it's really creepy at night. And yeah, I've heard that we heard that place was haunted, so we went there to go check it out. And it's not haunted; it's just defended very very well, uh, <laughs> and it's private property apparently. Um, I've heard that some people say that because there's missile silos around town. That well, not around town, outside of town, that you have to like hunt for. But if you find a missile silo, I've heard some of those are haunted. But uh, yep. nope, never seen any aliens. You have you seen anything? Uh, I mean, not any aliens. Um, went out to the crematory before. I remember that and the national old National Guard armory, and uh, we have stories from there. They're pretty creepy. I've heard of people in gas masks out there chasing people off. Uh, me and my friends, we went out there one time and interrupted what we think was a, a devil worshiper seance thing going on. This dude was like tatted up. It was, it was creepy. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, you know, I, otherwise no like alien abduction stuff i guess no. people look, maybe are hoping for no look there's there there are weirdos everywhere in the world and there are i think equal number of weirdos who live in roswell who yeah. uh maybe perpetuate some of these crazy uh things but no not that i've seen here's a great question so kyle tell me isn't roswell where area 51 is located no not even close that would be 600 miles away in Nevada. Because <laughs> you get that, you get asked that question too all the time. Right, exactly. And I don't I don't know where that comes from, honestly. I don't know if it's just uh-huh. simply the connection to mystery and aliens. Um, it's just it's convenient. It's convenient to have all your conspiracies in one geographic location. Yeah. Because <laughs> only only like the a few miles away we have Loch Ness, and then up north. We have uh, we have Sasquatch. And it's all right here in the one big conspiracy town of. That's right. Uh, we got it all. <laughs> well, here here's a question I I've been asked multiple times. I want to hear. I'm curious to see how you'll answer. Um, does the Roswell, New Mexico TV show, and you can you can talk about the new one or the old one. Does that bear any resemblance to actually living? In Roswell. Oh, I, I don't. Oh, I've never seen. Have you seen the show? I I have seen a couple episodes of the old series, and I've seen like the first episode of the new one just to give it a shot. Um, Apparently, it didn't stick. <laughs> no. Okay. No. I, not I, at all. I've never seen it, so I can't answer that. But I have gotten the question 
I would say I did a Google search because I, I knew you were going to ask me that earlier uh, just so that I could like answer it uh, from the Google search. It looks this is the new show, I guess. I, guess, I didn't I didn't even really uh, I guess it's the new show. It, it looks like it, the cast is mostly made up of hipsters, which seems very unrealistic for That's Roswell. Not Roswell. Yeah. Um, half of the characters are aliens, which does feel more realistic, at least in tone. Right. Yeah, um, sure. And then it, and then I found out it was filmed in Santa Fe in Albuquerque, which is not Southern New Mexico, no, at all. Not at all. And Scott, you can educate our listeners as to why that might upset me. Well, here's the thing: there's this ongoing rivalry um, between South New Mexico and Northern New Mexico, um, from green chili and everything like the the state question is uh, red or green. So Southern New Mexico, we're, we're saying green all day long. Um, but there, there's it, multiple reasons, I guess, if you want to go into some more. And those guys up north, they, they say things like they want Christmas, which, by the way, Christmas is good. That's red and green. But come on. It's green chili all the time. It's just green. There's no such thing as red. Oh, do you, <laughs> don't even put it on the menu. <laughs> yeah, why even bother? Why even bother? Anyways... Uh, it bothers me. It can't be that accurate if it's filmed up north in the mountains of New Mexico, which are very different than the southern desert of New Mexico. Right. Where it's a big state. Yeah. We're we're the fifth largest state and area in the country, so it's very different from north to south. So all that saying, I probably won't watch the TV show. It probably is nothing like Roswell, um, and nothing against the TV show at all. Uh, I'm just busy trying to you know make a podcast and. Uh, watch shows like uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine. That's right. That's a good one. Yeah. Let's just let's just talk a little bit about in general um, what it's like living in Roswell and maybe some of the things there are to actually do around there besides the two story mall. Uh, it's nice. I like. I love living here. Um, I didn't always. Um, we can we can both attest. It, you don't. It, there is a sense that you always want to get out from your home and then. Something something draws you back in to Roswell. Um, it's like a magnetic force. I I like it here. It's big enough to not feel tiny. It's still small enough where you can know everybody. Um, it's it's isolated. Like we're really isolated. We we call ourselves an island in the desert because um, we we're literally three hours to the next major town. And for those listeners who are maybe from like uh, East Coast, West Coast, from the South, you really don't understand how isolated, like, we, you really don't understand how far, I mean, we, when I say we're three hours to the next major town, like, we're three hours from gas station to gas station out here. It's a big desert. So uh, we're this huge town of 50, for us, it's 50,000 people is a big town, and it's ours for the next, you know, big source. But I, I kind of like that, because we're also... Near the desert mountains where you can get away and not be in the middle of, you know, uh, city and people and stuff like that. There, look, there's pros, there's pros and cons to where everywhere I've lived, um, and I, I'm happy to call this this place home. So, uh, yeah. Would you add anything to that? I guess I didn't answer. What is there to do? Just stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah. Just. just <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, that, that's the question I, I used to get, um, and I guess still do. Like what? what did you do in Roswell? It must've been pretty boring. And I, I couldn't actually disagree more with that statement. I had a blast 
growing up. Um, there's, you know, two 4A high schools, and so it creates a really cool rivalry. Um, you have the re- any restaurant that you really need, um, besides the big fancy ones. You got shopping that you need. Um, but, like, I don't know, Friday nights, Saturday nights, you just went exploring on the outskirts of town. Again, trying to find ghost-haunted ghost places. Um, one of my favorite things in general is uh bottomless lakes oh, i yeah. i loved going out yeah. there and uh it's it's salt water and so it's nice and tasty <laughs> you get it in your mouth. um but it was fun we would we would just uh throw a canoe onto my buddy's jeep and we would just head on out there um whenever we felt like it and it's, it's just a really nice serene place it's really beautiful probably one of my favorite things about um roswell as far as like weather and everything i think roswell the night times in roswell oh yeah are some of the most beautiful they're they're it's just calm it's still it's just wide open skies oh and the, and the uh, sunset like like i've i've seen sunsets over you know the water and, and the ocean and, and all mm-hmm. kinds of places there is nothing in the world like a new mexican sunset nothing I like agree. Yeah. The the colors you see in the sky, I've never seen anywhere else. Purples and blues and pinks and oranges all in the same. It's like, yeah, you're right. I, I I missed when I didn't live. I lived in Texas for five years. I missed being outdoors because there's tons of stuff to do outdoors in New Mexico. Mm-hmm. And I miss the yep. sunsets every time, every night. Yep. Well, Kyle, I want to move into just some direct questions that we had from the the social media accounts. Twitter um, is the first one. And I'm going to hopefully say this person's name, right? <laughs> Diano asks, Hey Kyle. Hey Diano. Podcast. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but what's with John? Is he an actor or are they actual recordings of your conversations? Thanks. Well, you're welcome. Thanks for being polite. <laughs> Um, politeness on Twitter is a rare thing these days. Um, I would say, see the first question we answered today. I think that kind of like summed it up, uh, earlier, but I, I'm going to leave you to decide on that. Um, it isn't super interesting because I think about halfway through the release of these episodes, I started to get this question. Um, and most listeners I talk to that have gone through by the end they feel really strongly one way or another. So like some really believe that this was an actor who played a, a role. And then some really believe like this is a real guy and this is a real story. And they're both frustrated that I won't say one way or the other. Um, if I told you, here's the problem. If I told you that he was real and that all of these interviews are real, then half of the audience out there wouldn't believe me. And if I told sure. you that he was an actor the other half would be frustrated or they would not believe that it wasn't real in some way. So there's no way for you to like know for sure. So uh, it's a not, it's like a non-win answer if I, if I tell you one way or the other. Um, so I kind of ask that instead of like wondering whether John or the story is fact or fiction, like, I, like in episode eight, I said, worry more about what you will do with the story that you heard. There's John's metaphorically there's johns all around us people who are forgotten or misunderstood with stories that we may not believe um everything they have to say so how how will you respond to those people that are around you so i will leave this question deliberately unanswered because i think in the end uh, it wouldn't matter what i answered 
uh, I think there's something deeper to the show than than fact and fiction. And I hope I want to leave it open for you to to dive into that. Okay. Well, let's. Here, here's kind of it's kind of kind of a sub question. Uh, this previous one, Joe R. on Facebook, they asked this. So, how is John doing? He sounded pretty sick. So, whether actor or not, um, yeah, his his voice sounded really raspy. I agree. He sounded pretty sick. Can you can you speak to that a little bit? Uh, yeah. Um, uh, imagine. Okay, so remember we did those recordings in the fall of last year. Uh, so the last recordings were sometime, I don't, I, I have to remember, I think it might have been like late October, beginning of November that we, that we, that we had these conversations at the end. Um, and then, so imagine my surprise when, you know, a few weeks later, uh, there's this pandemic of coughing, respiratory disease um that was going around that now has shut down our world so uh yeah that was kind of freaky um i can, how is john doing um i can only tell you he's not good um i would tell you more okay. i would tell you more but i i have to respect some of his privacy and uh right now it's um it's complicated uh i can say that much it's complicated i'll say that covid the covid pandemic has not been good uh, for, for any, anything Crashton Roswell related, including John and season two, other things, it's, it's, it's not been good for anybody. Let's just put it that way. Um, so yeah, I have to leave it. I have to leave it at that for now. Okay. So Rostical, that's a great username. Rostical. Rostical. Um, I think so. Okay. <laughs> um, writes, in a comment um and it's one i've got as well from friends they were asking me about this about the metal the metal piece i mean kyle is given the the metal piece you're given what he makes it seem like a piece of crashed ufo piece or whatever in episode five um, but then you don't mention it again until the end of the season um and then you only mention it in one sentence seems like total bs to me um is that it's not scott that's rustical <laughs> rustical <laughs> okay so what so, gives okay what? the metal yeah so and and to bring back those who may need uh refreshing that the metal you're talking about is the piece of metal that john gives me that he claims um came you know from his his mother um and it's sort of implied that it may have been lifted from the crash site or whatever uh but that kind of got him into trouble and then he got his nickname alien kid because his friend teased him that metal right yes uh thanks rostical uh for the question um and i knew that this would frustrate uh, a ton of people in the production of the meeting in the production meeting for that final episode episode eight of season one uh, my fellow producers, they, they wanted to stick some more information in about that as, as a callback to the metal. But the problem was that um, that hunk of metal is a huge can of worms, big can of worms. Um, that final episode was already long. We were packing three interviews and information into around half an hour. So 
uh, we were already, I, I mean, we were cutting a ton of stuff just to try to fit it all in. And we wanted to stay on point with the, the message that we wanted to, to deliver. So uh, the information about the metal, it, it, it got complicated and it, already, it was already a complicated story. Um, and one of the reasons that it was complicated is because we're really not done looking into it. It's still a bit of an open-ended story. Uh, and, I, and I'm not going to give you more, but I, I can say that I, I do know a thing or two about metals because that's what I work with that's for a living. Yeah. yeah, and I wanted to do my best to also tie up loose ends uh, of season one and not create new ones. So we didn't we didn't refer to it again that much in, in episode eight because I wanted to do some diligence and really uh, investigate what this is and what it meant. And there was more to it than just, oh, he gave me this medal and here it is. Um, it, it, it wouldn't have, if I put it in the final episode, it wouldn't have done it justice. So we took it out and I knew that it would annoy people and it certainly did. And if it annoyed you, all I can say is, uh, hang on, if we can get to season two, I promise you in season two that we, if we can get to it, we will address, we will address the metal there. It's not forgotten. It's just complicated. <laughs> gotcha. That's that's good. So I know in this series, um, the theme of just uh, listening to others, community. I mean, there's some some really big, really good. I think moralistic themes in this series. And then I just I would love for you, for you to kind of give us some maybe final thoughts on the season in general, um, and maybe speak to some of these themes that that you were trying to point out sure um this show uh has had a really interesting effect on me um in in producing it it's had a, it's been interesting to watch how it's received especially kind of in light of what's happening in our world right now with with covid um uh, and civil rights tension and there's an election this year in america and uh it just seems like everybody's angry all the time uh it's interesting to watch it in light of all that I think um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to take a thirty thousand foot view here. I think people in general have really we've really lost our ability to empathize and to communicate with empathy towards one another. Um, I, I don't know if you would agree with that. That's a good way to sum it yeah. up. But right. we don't. It's like we don't know how to hear someone else who is different than us. We don't know how to hear them or someone who has a different perspective than us, uh, especially a perspective that we may not like. And we don't know how to show that person love. It's really easy to find a perspective that you agree with, to vote for a right. perspective that you agree with, and to love that perspective. It's really, really hard to do the opposite. And it's like we've lost that ability to do that. We've lost community, to put it simply. Um, here's a great example. Last, last week, I had a conversation with an individual, and I was just telling them, and it was just, you know, shooting the breeze, I told them how hard it was to see that I had some friends who had COVID uh, and how it had really affected their health deeply. And they asked me a question in rebuttal that was like, was it really all that bad? Was it really bad? Like, was it really, really that bad? They're like kind yeah. of a bit of a naysayer. And and their perspective wasn't illegitimate. Like they actually, this sure. individual and their spouse had COVID and it wasn't that bad for them. They they got over it within a couple of days. The symptoms were gone. Within 14 days, they're back to normal. No big deal, right? 
And sure. they were kind of like, yeah, the masks aren't important and this isn't real, blah, 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 blah. So they, the way that they were asking me this question was like asking me to validate my statement of that I knew people who had been deeply affected, which is hard because I do know people who have been deeply affected. I also sure. know people who've recovered without any symptoms, but this is just an example, like a little microscopic view. This, this person's question in general, like the, it's just a, a symptom of a larger issue. That, that's what bothered me. It was like, we're asking people to validate a truth that we won't believe anyways. So we, and we do it all the time. We do it with things like race, racial tensions, uh, politicians, right. social agendas, like you name it. We demand that another person prove their point with facts that we will in turn fight to discredit with our facts. And I think this is really just selfish of us. And I, I do mean us. I do mean myself included. Like, um, yep. like, let's take it to its furthest. How many COVID patients do I need to know who've suffered horribly to prove it's a bad disease? How many, how many black people do I need to know who've been racially profiled and sidelined to prove that racism exists against black yep. people in our country? How many stats do I need to prove that rich people get unjustly rich and poor are unjustly poor? Like all we're doing is using other people's pain to make our position and our point of view the right one. And how many people need to be hurting before we can see that we may not be right about something. And that's kind of the way it feels like out there that everybody's trying to prove a point uh, and they're not going to back down. But that, that doesn't make a perspective right either. Like in the show we talk about, in 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 that in especially towards ep, you know uh, episode seven and eight we talk a lot about perspective, and and you contributed a lot to that conversation and I'm so glad you did, because I yeah. think you said things that were were so on point that I couldn't have said better. Um, I don't think perspectives though like your own perspective makes you inherently right. Some point of views can actually do more damage than they can do good. Um, no matter how right your facts are, you can spout facts all day. But that doesn't make you someone of good character or integrity or kindness, you know. I, so all that being said, final thoughts on the series in light of this world that we live in. Um, I think John was a character whose point of view to the UFO crash was uh, certainly unique. Is a unique point of view. I think by the end of the the show, the season one, I, I hope that we all question whether his facts are right or wrong, but I don't, uh, but we shouldn't question that he meant well. You know what I mean? I mean, he was a guy who served his country with good intentions, um, and that, and, and he lived his life in a way that he tried to make the world and his neighbors a, a better place, even if that, even if that was hard. I think, I would love your thoughts here, but maybe a better way of knowing whether your perspective is right or wrong is to think, am I helping or am I hurting my neighbor? You know, there's no yeah. neutral to that. You can't have a neutral perspective. You're either helping or you're hurting and you can be right with your facts all day long, you know, but if you're, if you're right, but you're laying a path of hurt feelings and anger and resentment, I think you're in fact quite wrong, you know? Yeah, absolutely. You know, that, and I mean, pointing out these things that are happening in our culture and everybody has 
what they believe is an answer. I, I know I have my things where I believe here's the answers. Um, and you talked about it earlier. They're, they're biased, very biased. And sometimes I think we kind of play with a power, if that makes sense. We, we deal in the business of uh, transferring power from one party to the other. And uh, not, not to preach a sermon here or whatever, but I, I try to I, I want to try to toe the line of what it means to transform a situation. Uh, this whole power struggle back and forth um, that we see, especially during election seasons, like what's coming up right now, it's between one or the other, one or the other, and push and pull and push and pull. I think there has to be people who are standing up, who are looking out for their neighbor, who are looking to transform situations. And that, and that does look like uh, as you're driving down the road and you see that person with the flat tire, I know that's a very uh, cliche example, but you know, you, you do stop. And you realize no one else might see this, but at the same time, I want to impact my neighbor on impact individuals. And I want to transform situations, not just try to uh, grab and grasp for power for my own gain. Um, maybe if we did a little bit more of that and, like you said, suggesting um, worrying um, uh, uh, with compassion and with, with patience about what our neighbor has to say and kind of tolerate and just acknowledge, you know what, we have different perspectives here, but that that's okay. Man, I, I wonder how, how much that could transform our society, especially right now when it really needs it. Yeah, my, my father-in-law, um, David Langford, who, uh, who's contributed uh, to this, this podcast, he would say it like, uh, he's a big, he's a big advocate and professor on, on, uh, on civil discourse. And the way he says it is we have to learn to live in the tension. You know, right. you, you said it in the in the series, uh, in your interview, be OK with living in the mystery of some mm -hmm. things, you know, but, you know, I, I would rather live in tension with somebody just a just a mild tension of knowing that my my perspective and their perspective are not going to align at, at everything. I would rather do that and love them and them love me uh, in, in a healthy relationship with each other then try to find somebody who's going to be right with me because that's a lonely lonely journey sure. you know i yeah. think so i think this season of crashed in roswell it's it's my attempt to communicate that through john's story um like it is in the show i if we want a community that loves each other despite our differences then we, we have to be okay with living in tension you know, we won't know right. all the answers. We won't trust all the witnesses. We can't, uh, but we can, you know, but we can choose to do what will help them, what will love them, what will show them what we, you know, we care for them. And I, I hope that I did that for John. I hope I do that for others around me. And I hope that we raise a generation behind us, you know, our, our kids that do that for others. And uh, so maybe we need to live, learn to live in the mystery of some things and lend the world a little patience, a little consideration, um, a little bit of care. Uh, I, yeah. The golden rule still applies, and I I believe it is the the salve that will soothe the sores of those who are hurting. So, um, so yeah, that's those are my final thoughts. And I, the, I I've called this my love letter to my community, but I I want to call it my love letter to to my country right now. That's that's hurting within itself. It's my love letter to communities all over the country and all over the world who are dealing with a, a year that just stinks overall. I don't care where you're from, but this isn't 
how we envisioned 2020. Um, but uh, I, that doesn't mean it has to stink forever. Um, and right. it, it can start with very little things that we do every day to take care of one another, despite not, you know, in spite of our differences, you know, and, and loving them. So I guess I'd leave with this. The, the final words of this first season are, I think, what I want to leave off with. Um, I think I think it's the central point of this show. It's that now that you've heard this story, what will you do with this story? I think that matters a whole lot more than what you think of this story. You know what I mean? Well, listen, I want to thank uh, all of the listeners uh, from all over the world who have tuned in to listen to Crash in Roswell. It is... It is a passion of mine to create wonderful stories that bring people together. Uh, but I have been humbled by, by all of you who listen and support this podcast in so many ways. Um, one way that you can continue to support is by sharing uh, this podcast with those you know. Uh, share it on social media. Tell a friend. Tell someone you know about this show. And at the very least, it, it should provide some uh, good uh, you know, social distance conversations about what you think of the show. You can leave us a review, and I hope you do, on our Facebook, on our Twitter, or on our Apple uh, podcast page. Let us know what you think of the show. Share it with those. You can also go to CrashedInRoswell.com, where you can buy Crashed in Roswell gear, which all goes right back to helping the people who produce this show. And hopefully, we can get enough support where we can produce a season two for you uh, as well. Maybe uh, create more questions and answer some old ones. So. Again, my name is Kyle Bullock. Uh, you've been listening to Scott Hall, uh, my best friend and Roswell native. Interview me on this Q&A, uh, and I hope to see you in Season 2.